What do you call that noise? Hello, you're listening to What Do You Call That Noise, the XTC podcast. My name is Mark Fisher, and as befits the oral medium of the podcast, today we're going to be talking about design with our very special guest, Andrew Swainson. Uh, Before we say more about that, though, it's time for a message from our sponsors. I'd like to give a heartfelt vote of thanks to everyone who is supporting the XTC podcast on Patreon, where people have the option to become a pink thing, a humble daisy, or a knight in shining karma. And I'd like to thank everybody very much for your generosity, and in particular to the Knights in Shining Karma, whose names are Murray Meikle, Liam Duggan, Leslie Gooch, Amy Parkinson, Liz Lynch, Simon Slateholm, Robert Graham, Dennis Locorier, Michael Sutcliffe, Nigel Waller, Mark Reed, and William Wilkstrom. Thank you very much for all of those people. And if you'd like to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. And if you'd like to read my XDC books, you can do so uh, by going to xdclimelight.com, which I recently spruced up, so it's all looking very lovely. Uh, With me today are David White, Sarah Crockle, Peter Mills, and of course, Andrew Swainson, and we're going to be talking about design. Um, I think I'll get everybody to introduce themselves one by one, and we can find out who everybody is, and uh, then we'll have uh, a good chat with with Andrew. Um, Sarah, tell us, um, you're you're, uh, phoning in from Canada. Who who are you, and, and, and what's your interest in design? Yeah, I'm all the way in Canada here. I'm a poet and writer. It's actually one of the reasons I'm a fan of XTC, because they always have great, uh, sometimes ironic, funny, witty lyrics. And I guess I'm a relatively new XTC fan, uh, relatively speaking. I've, um, my first real encounter with XTC was, I was actually in a thrift store in Toronto and I was just browsing the CDs there. And I remember coming across this bright orange and green CD cover. And it was the 1999 Green Man single um, in US. It was their promo single. And um, I actually had no idea who they were at the time. And I just kind of picked it up impulsively on a hunch. And I remember listening to it and being like, what is this? And um, uh, every album that I listened to, it just kept getting better and better. And so ever since then, I've, XTC and their music has had a really special place in my heart. That's a really interesting place to start, to start with to start with Green Man rather than sort of build up to Green Man is a, is a very uh, interesting way around, isn't it? Um, great. Thank you. Welcome to the to the program. Um, I'll go to, uh, to Peter now. Peter Mills. Who, what, why, where? <laughs> All great questions. Well, I, I, I teach at a uh, university in Leeds. I teach on the, the media communication culture degree and I look after the, the music elements. My interest specifically in the relationship between XTC and design is that I've been buying XTC records for, for uh, an inordinately long time. And I've always found the covers, the artwork to be tremendously connected uh, to the music, extending the meaning of the music, making you feel one way or another about the music, so that there's a sense that the the artwork and the music were engaged on a common endeavour, really, I suppose. And so I just kind of had that interest in my back pocket. And then recently I've had the opportunity to write a, a journal article for an art journal actually not a music journal on they just asked me if I wanted to write something on the art of the single you know the 45 rpm seven inch record and I thought I have it's an opportunity to you know kind of uh, have a closer look 
at XTC Singles and the story of their artwork and perhaps um, how the music speaks to the artwork and vice versa. Um, so that's probably about the size of it. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Peter. And, and uh, David, you're not a newcomer to the podcast. You're an experienced podcaster these days. I've lost count of how many we've done now, Mark. Um, yeah, I think this this one's, are we up to number five or number six? I'm losing track as well. But uh, yeah, this has all been, uh, this has last three or four years since meeting Mark. We've embarked on something of a, an XTC journey, uh, looking at the sort of the XTC legacy. And in some ways, it's, it's just as, they're just as vital now as they were when they were a proper group to follow. And I uh, helped by um, contributing a chapter to uh, Mark's uh, last book. I'm a graphic designer by background, principally in the fire brigade, actually. I, I um, used to do a lot of fire safety posters and that kind of thing. But uh, more recently, since taking early retirement, um, I've been uh, writing for an art magazine on fine art, um, sort of returning to something of my college roots there. And also, I've been running or being secretary for a public sector group of uh, graphic designers. So kept in with art and graphic design, but uh, now music very much a part of uh, what I do. And also um, I'm a keen sort of hobbyist musician myself. So uh, that's part of my my day-to-day thing. I'm doing a song a week at the moment. I'm very pleased with myself. Great. Well, that's lots, lots and lots of reasons to be here. Andrew, I'm, I'm currently sitting um, amongst a, a really what is a gorgeous collection of box sets and uh, CDs and so on. I've got, I'm just looking at the the Apple box. I'm looking at Orpheus, the Lowdown. I'm looking at Jen Olive's album. I'm looking at Coat of Many Cupboards. I'm looking at the Fuzzy Warbles collection and, and, and Powers, all of which have your name attached to them, as, as do, um, as, you know, as, as a designer and illustrator, your, your work extends also to, to doing uh, movie posters and, uh, and fan movie posters, which is a, a, an area of work that I'm very unfamiliar with. It'd be interesting just to know how you began your association with with Andy Partridge and XDC in the first place. It was, I mean, it was just luck, really. M- many years ago, I was working at a sign company called Main Artery and uh, Cooking Vinyl Records actually moved into the same building as us. And through a roundabout way, we didn't do any work from that design company with Cooking Vinyl, but through a roundabout way through another band, I started working with Cooking Vinyl quite a lot. And when, when I left the design company and went on my own, I, I became pretty much the art guy for Cooking Vinyl for quite a few years. And then, you know, when XTC sort of uh, landed on those shores, uh, we got put together. So it was, uh, it, I, you know, just sheer good luck, really. And did XTC mean anything to you at the time? Were you, in a, were, were you aware of their music? Yeah, I was aware. I mean, I, I had some stuff, but not loads. I had... I had one singles compilation and a handful of... In fact, I think the singles that I had, I think I'd nicked off my sister. I was aware of them, and but I was never really into them until till I started working uh, with Andy, really. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty much a newcomer to, uh, to the band as well, because I know a lot of the people that I sort of know from, uh, you know, the fan forums and stuff. I feel very much like, yeah, the new kid in terms of appreciating the music. Uh, even though it's been, you know, 20, 20 something years now. It's very interesting to to hear you uh, say that that uh, you've kind of shared office space with Cooking Vinyl, because um, before XTC actually made that connection, there there was some great stuff on Cooking Vinyl. So it's it's uh, it's really interesting to to hear about that connection. The the kind of the research that I've done into it and what I already know about it is that that. Andy Partridge seems to see 
the songs as almost as readily as he hears them, has a very sort of strong visual sense, uh, is very attentive to the visual side of the music, the presentation of it. So I wonder what the experience of um, designing packaging for somebody who takes has such an active and strong interest in the visual dimension of representation. You know, someone who's in love with the idea. Um, I'm sure everybody knows the song Spiral. It's kind of a love song to the single, isn't it? Um, so the, the idea of, you know, really sort of loving the tactile pleasure of looking at the sleeve, getting the record out of the sleeve, putting it on the turntable, all those kind of, um, those sort of tactile dimension. I wonder what that was like as a designer working with somebody who's got such strong ideas, because I, um, I might be wrong, but um, I don't suppose every artist does particularly. Uh, well, no, they don't. You're right. Um, but uh, yeah, and and you're correct. Andy really, really does. I mean, we hit it off sort of pretty well uh, working together. Uh, and I think maybe I don't have much of an ego when it comes to my work or anything. I, I'm really sort of I've always tried to do something that befits the work rather than forwards myself. Or I, I don't really have I've never really had a style of things that I want to do. Everything's sort of been about the music, really, or, or, or getting across the ideas that uh, an artist might have about their music. And with Andy, I mean, he's got such a strong, strong visual sense. I'm just running along behind him, trying to sort of make sense of what he, what he wants, really. I was talking to him earlier this afternoon, actually, but I did say that, you know, any, any questions that you'd have for me this evening, uh, you're only going to get half an answer because, you know, the... Or maybe not even half an answer because the the main inspiration for how things evolve is is Andy, you know, and it comes from his music, but also his ideas that he, you know, what he wants, yeah, to to wrap around it. Well, here is Andy Partridge talking to me earlier this year about how his visual brain works. I can't separate the sensations out. I can't separate out music from lyrics from lyrics to pictures from pictures to music it, it's all on the same wheel it, it's all uh, it's it doesn't live in separate compartments it's all attached that that's really fascinating and that and that means that uh, for example the 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 postcard illustrations that you did of uh, of your songs are a natural expression of, of the songs themselves yeah i i picked the songs to illustrate i picked because each song I write has got a, a, at least a hundred different images in my head. I had to decide on one of those images for any given song that I thought would kind of be the easy connection to people looking at them. So, um, gosh, um, like Snowman, it's, it's, uh, uh, if you saw it, it's, a, a man, i.e. me, trapped inside a snowman and the woman's hand is patting the snow around the living person, causing him to become a snowman, a cold, unwanted, cold object. Um, and so I went for the... But there's so much more wrapped up in that song for me personally um, that I went for an easy image just one of the images in my head that I thought would 
be an easy way in to people visually for people to, to see what the song was about. It's kind of like the easy route for them, if you see what I mean. That, that seems to be a really unusual way of thinking to me, and it isn't how my brain works. Do you, do, when you encounter other people, do you, do you feel that it's an unusual way of thinking? Uh, what, you mean other songwriters? Well, uh, well, yes, other songwriters in particular, yeah, I suppose, but, you know, other people in general, civilians. Um, well, I don't know too many creative people and the ones I do know I I don't think I've been party to their to the alchemy of how they create what do you call that noise I was saying that with that in mind I think it was with uh, Peter and I was having the conversation that it's unusual with the the postcards that that Andy designed, based in, and inspired by his own songs, which you then have have turned into those gorgeous posters. That um, it's unusual to have a musician who not only conceives of the piece of music in the first place, but can, can then uh, reimagine it. Uh, and and if talking to Andy, I think reimagine it many times over in 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 completely different forms. That uh, it strikes me as somebody who is who is so visually creative and so imaginative uh, that it, that he can actually out imagine out imaginate himself almost. D- d- does that uh, ring true with you in terms of his his visual input? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, after working with him for so long, it's really difficult to separate. Andy the musician and Andy the, I don't know, the, the person who's going to conceptualise how it's going to appear as well. They, they're all part of the same thing, really. The way he uses words and things in his songs and, and the music itself, it, it, it seems to be the same set of, don't really want to call them rules, but the same things that inspire him about, about how the image should uh, come about. Yeah, I can imagine that. Does it does that strike a bell with you, Sarah? That 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 sense of of the the verbal and the visual being one and the same in 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 in, in the way um, Andy thinks. Yeah, I was actually thinking um, in terms of artwork like Powers, where you have kind of different artworks coming together. You have a novel and you have music. It's just really interesting to see uh, where you would draw the inspiration from. Would it come from the music or the novel? Well, I mean, with Powers in particular, I mean, it was, I, I listened to the music quite a lot while I was doing it, but I, I you know, I soaked up a lot of the uh, imagery from, you know, Richard M. Powers, who did the, who was the sort of the catalyst for the collection. I mean, I, originally Andy wanted to use some original Powers work on the, on the sleeve, but uh, it was going to be ridiculously expensive. So Andy did the, uh, the cover image himself. He painted that himself. And then I did all the, uh, uh, the inside illustrations for that, but sort of, trying to take on board some of the ideas that Powers had in his illustrations and just trying to not not copy them, but just sort of present similar ideas, I think. I'm uh, interested, especially since picking up a lot on, on my own music, how often when I'm describing the process and, and the sort of faculties that you use, how akin it is to the artistic process of developing a, a design. And I, I do see composition as as like as like designing in many ways um but i haven't met that many people who um have sort of developed it to the sort of stage where you know they would be able to do both their own music compositions or or songwriting and so on and they also know the sort of technical side maybe of uh, i don't know printing or, you know, somebody who knows spot colours from process colours or that kind of thing. 
Um, and and I'm wondering, Sarah, what, is that is that quite unusual in that you get people who can do both, like Andy, who seems to have a a, a good sort of vision uh, in in both both directions, music and art. Yeah, I find it interesting in the sense that you would have a medium like music and then a pre-existing work on the Powers covers to see sort of how that applies to the music. If you're keeping an eye out more towards the music or the existing artwork. Andrew, does it feel that you're doing a job, uh, probably actually just in general and as a designer, as a sort of job of translation where you're you're you're, you're trying to realise somebody's visual ideas, uh, which presumably have to be t- communicated to you in words, and so you're you're trying to imagine what it is that they that they have in mind. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, I think over the years, Andy and I, we we seem to just. It's not very often that we need to go back and forth about getting things right. We seem to have come to a point where he can tell me the, the idea he's got. I can almost see it straight away. We were working on a project that's coming up shortly, and he had he had the idea for the sleeve, and you know it was like there in my head as soon as he mentioned it. You know, so. The, the job's going to be fairly easy from, from some aspects, I think. There's not very often that Andy and I have to go back and forward about, oh, no, that's not right. We need to change it. That's not what I meant. I, I say that from my point of view, though. Andy probably looking at it and going, oh, that's not quite what I meant, but actually this is okay. So, um, yeah, like I say, you'd probably need to ask him about this these questions. It, it is a question of translating, but it seems to be a language that we're sort of both fairly fluent in, if that makes sense. Yeah, and are you? But I'd imagine both of you are very good on attention to detail and and you know not letting anything slip. Is is that fair to say? On on but from both points of view, uh, in in some regards, yeah. I mean, I I think we're both very much into typography, and we're both very much into. Um, I was going to say printed process, but it's more about how the printed process looks. It's like when we've done quite a few bits that have looked weathered or worn and stuff and I, I get a kick out of making that sort of stuff uh, and Andy gets a kick out of imagining that kind of stuff as well so mm-hmm. it's like you think about the Gone Woods box a lot of that is down to the messing up of the original image you know so to make it look worn there was a great deal of the pleasure in making that for myself was just making it look like it had been sort of sitting around on the shelf for half a century or something that's lovely i've actually got i was hoping that a young artist called laura wade who's a friend of mine was going to be able to come to, tonight but she's um being a young artist she's having to do a shift at the co-op so uh, to actually earn her, her living but she she did just send me a couple of questions this afternoon to, to ask of you and she's got an interest in typography so it fits very much with what you were just saying and as particularly because of what you were just saying hello andrew sorry i couldn't be here tonight I'd be interested to know how you chose the typography for the XTC Apple vinyls. They look like type from previous XTC records. I also really like the type on Gone Words. It reminds me of the old mid-century Eastern European film posters. I'm just wondering what the inspiration was behind this work and if you had a system for filing and using all the different typefaces. Well, in, in regards to the Apple box and the Apple vinyl, we just needed to come up with a, a new design that tried to just sort of encapsulate both of them. And it was it was really just a typographical exercise, really, because we didn't ra- use any new imagery or anything. We just used a new logo and, and lettering, really. It was one of those things where Andy didn't really have, apart from the Apple vinyls box, where, you know, all these seven inches made up a big, big picture. Uh, he didn't really have too much in the way of art direction on that one. It was really, we just had to make a nice box. So 
Yeah, it was kind of as simple as that, really. But having said that, the since we've reissued Apple Venus and Wasp Star, we've taken the typography that we've used on, on the Apple box and used that as the sort of template for those two albums as well now. I don't know how well the fans feel about sort of tampering with the artwork after the fact. I've done quite a bit of it with XTC. And uh, sometimes it's out, out of necessity and sometimes it's just out of an arrogance that I think maybe you could made something better. But at least I'm only changing my own stuff, most of the time anyway. But uh, yeah, with uh, Gonwards, the inspiration for Gonwards was a, a little uh, Russian pamphlet. It was designed by a guy, I can't remember his first name, his surname's Tellingata. So uh, Andy just sent me some photos of this little pamphlet. I, I have no idea what it was actually about or anything, but uh, I just took the inspiration from that. I mean, the, the colours and the way the figures are represented on the front, they're not lifted directly from, but, you know, heavily sort of... It's a it's a pastiche of this pamphlet, basically. It uses lots of uh, different typefaces and stuff to uh, to do whatever the writing is that's on it, because I have absolutely no idea, because it's all in Cyrillic. <laughs> so, we yeah, we just got to use uh, a lot of different and uh, hopefully appropriate typefaces to sort of mimic that style of uh, design. There's, there is one... There is one little bit of typography on there, which I, I really wish I'd picked a different typeface, because I'm not... It seemed fine at the time, but as quite often happens as time goes on, things start to niggle you about it. But beyond that, though, I, I'm, I'm still really happy with Gonwood's box. I think it's one of the best things I've done. So. Did you have any trouble getting hold of the typefaces? No, not really. Freely available? Yeah, type. I mean, I, over the years, I've amassed a massive collection of typefaces anyway, but I've got lots of books and stuff with you know, historical typefaces and things in. Sure. So they were fairly easy to get hold of. And do you find yourself... You know, particularly with the more elaborate collections such as Fuzzy Warbles, it's almost, um, to, it seems to me to be that your job might morph from being what I would call a conventional designer doing, an, uh, you know, a square album sleeve into something more like a product designer where you're thinking in three dimensions and and, and about the whole presentation of it. Um, yeah, to a, to a degree, though, a lot of the sort of physicality of the packaging, it's, it's quite often been taken out of my hands. I've not... I've not I've usually been presented with a, a blank mock-up and I have to work around that, really. Uh, I think the Fuzzy Wobbles box was one of those times when I was given a blank, you know, I think we talked about it somewhat, but we didn't, I wasn't specifically involved in the actual building of the uh, of the box. So, yeah, in, in, that, in that situation, I was just sort of presented with you know, blank faces to fill, really. I'm just thinking about the Fuzzy Wobbles and the, the, the Collector's album in particular. It just strikes me as um, an incredibly sort of sustained project. You know, I, I can't remember how many there are, uh, you know, in the box. So there's seven or eight or nine or something. And, you know, there's this sort of stamp collector theme and the bonus disc is even called Hinges, isn't it? You know, which is a beautiful touch for for any anyone who collected uh, stamps as a kid. So the, the sort of extended realisation of that kind of design idea i just think is amazing on on that on that box set and you know across those uh individual uh numbered sets i mean what how how do you feel about that well you know again it was andy's sort of uh you know andy's idea that he wanted ultimately to sort of put them all in in some sort of a collection i can't remember exactly when we decided that we'd get around to doing it as a box because I know we started doing the individual discs quite a way previous. I think we were getting, I think it must have been 
when we got to, because we released two at a time, and I think we'd got to volume six. And I think then we decided that we'd do the last two volumes and the box all at the same time. Andy presented me with the idea for it, and I just sort of, uh, you know, threw myself into it, really. He sent me loads of little um, Stanley Gibbons stamp books from, I'm guessing, early 1900s, I guess they were, uh, with loads of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of tiny little stamp designs in. And so we went through those and we just sort of picked out little bits from disparate stamps and started sort of uh, playing with them and putting them together in uh, odd and unusual ways. But I, I really enjoyed working on that. And I think working on something that was over, I, I'm not sure how long we did it over. It must have been about maybe four years or so. Uh, it was it was quite interesting working on something over that sort of time period. And also frustrating as well, because, you know, as time moves on, you think of other things that you might want to do with a certain project. And if you've already done, you know, three or four of it already, you have to kind of stick to it, which is yeah, mildly annoying. I, I actually I was thinking the other day, because I think my, my, my job has shifted more to illustration now. And I wish that I got the skills that I have now for doing the, uh, the outer cover for that. Because I think I'd do a much better job. But um, I, I guess that's that's just the way of life, isn't it? Really? I'm just thinking you used the word pastiche earlier, and um, it seems to me that I'd imagine with your film poster work as well as with with the work that you've done on on, on albums, there's that, that thing of drawing on the past quite heavily and, and and making reference to you know previous design styles and so on. It's it, a thing that I can imagine that both you and Andy have a lot in common with that love of things that have gone before and that opportunity to celebrate them and. And sort of regurgitate them and make your, them your own. Is is that fair to say of of, of your own interests? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think even even when I was at art college, I was sort of doing that sort of thing. I wasn't I wasn't really thinking too much about it, but um, I definitely had an interest in you know old typography and like you say, things that had gone before. Maybe I've just got no imagination. I don't know, but it's just. Um, yeah, I remember even when I, I was at art college, I was quite a lot of the projects that I did centered around recreating you know design styles from uh, you know days gone by you know sort of victorian uh, circus posters and that sort of thing so yeah i think both, is, i mean both andy and i have got an interest in that and and you'll sort of see that in you know in xdc designs going way back before you were ever involved in you know something like towers of london or whatever there's 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 a sort of sense of his of visual history that's that's in the in the artwork as well uh yeah absolutely it's a bit weird for me because i mean a lot of those earlier things were, were things that I had as as somebody who, you know, away from the band and stuff. So I, I have really vivid memories of the... I had Towers of London as a single and Generals and Majors. And uh, I remember um, I used to go and play snooker with my friend. He had a little six-foot snooker pay- table in his bare bedroom. We used to go and play snooker in there. And he had Sergeant Rock, seven-inch. And I remember seeing that and looking at that quite a lot when we were around there. Yeah, it was very weird for me to end up with that band. All of them were released 40 years ago as well, uh, all the ones you've just mentioned. Yes. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all from the same album. I was going to say, Mark, the, the um, with XTC, you've got a very, like we've been agreeing, that a strong link between the music and the visuals. One or two things spring to mind, like John Lennon famously was an artist. He went to art college and so on. Um, and he, when he was composing, he was he found it difficult sometimes to articulate what he meant and wasn't able to 
put it down on paper, wasn't always able to uh, uh, sing it or play it exactly how he wanted it. So he was, in describing what he wanted, for instance, to George Martin, the producer, would make lots of sort of noises and explosions and all the rest of it, uh, and highly descriptive language, non-specific, which is quite interesting. And there are other... Yeah, well, Roxy, for instance, um, went to art college. Adamant was a graphic designer. And Andy Warhol as well, producing the Velvet Underground. There's so much cross between music and, and art there. And it's a shame that, you know, in a, in a book about music with art, XTC, I mean, I would hope they would get a mention, but they're competing against really quite sort of high, uh, well-known examples there. And it would be great to see XTC more well-known and high-profile for their visuals. And and although XTC are sometimes called an art school band, they 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 weren't. They weren't an art school band. They could have been, but they weren't. Art they weren't. rock. Yeah. Did was that true of you, Andrew? At, at when you were at art school, that, that was there a lot of music around. Well, yeah, there was. I mean, I mean, I, I was you know very into music at that age and. You know, sort of, you know, late teens, early twenties. It was it was the music connection that drew me into sort of wanting to go and design for uh, uh, for music projects. Because I, I mean, uh, certainly the course that I was on, some of the tutors weren't very um, supportive of me wanting to go and design for music. There were two that were, uh, and thankfully they're the ones that um, you know made an impression on me, and you know encouraged me to go that way. You know. Some of the other tutors were just like, well, oh, only a few people can do that sort of thing, you know. So, you know, you better lower your standards and maybe think about, you know, working on screw packaging for the rest of your life. And I thought, well, yeah, don't really want to do that. So I, I just sort of followed going down that route. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was uh, the music was a, a really big part of me sort of wanting to go down that way. I mean, it was the music of sort of Joy Division and uh, New Order. It's like the factory bands and the uh, 4AD label. The artwork for those two labels were ones that really, really inspired me to want to do that sort of thing. And, and that's, that's putting me in mind thinking about factory records and the amount of money that <laughs> factory records got through on their, you know, particularly Joy Division on their on their album sleeves and so on. Uh, you know, famously or allegedly, you know, spent more on the packaging than they did on the... Um, you know, you know, they could could never have made a profit. But but um, I imagine a lot of the stuff that you've done for XDC is doesn't come cheap. Is is how how much is a budget uh, budgetary restrictions working against you? In the past, not 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 really with cooking vinyl, but when Andy started a not in a petulant way, but Andy got what he wanted. I think Andy said, "Oh, I'd I'd like to have this," and instead of there being a discussion about, well, we can do that, but it's going to cost this much. We could do this and it will cost less and it'd still look quite nice. They just sort of pursue what Andy wanted rather than think about the economic outcome of doing that. Sounds like the Tony Wilson approach. There's a little um, correlation with factory records there, I think. Uh, as things are now, there's there's a lot of thought about, well, you know, do we really want to spend all that money on packaging when we could probably do a better job with a little bit less, maybe. I think we've passed the days of doing the uh, things like the, um, the Fuzzy Warbles collection of things. I don't think we'd... I don't think we'd do that now. I say we. I keep saying we. I don't think they'd do that now. But I imagine for you it could be a, com a continual wrestle between not wanting your imagination to be limited, but at the same time having to come up against, against real-life obstacles. Yeah, I mean, I th thing is, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think there are ways of doing small runs and limited editions of things that don't necessarily need to cost a fortune, 
Well, I think, unfortunately, I think there's, we come up against things needing to, needing to get manufactured and, you know, the, the limitations of what people do uh, cost effectively. If we try and ask, we, if we ask them to do something a little different, uh, you know, it comes back and it costs a lot more money. So I, I think there's room to do things on a, on a more um, homemade level, maybe, uh, to make limited editions and things that I think Andy would find in, interesting. As things are at the minute, a lot of emphasis is being uh, put on how much they actually cost and how much they're likely to make. So. Yeah, I can imagine, like, Powers, for example, looks to me like something that is both beautiful and distinctive and and also perhaps not expensive. I don't know, but it doesn't look to me that it's expensive. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I, I don't actually know whether it was expensive enough. I, I, don't, I don't think it was. I think had Andy got what he really wanted i think it would have been the thickness of a book and uh, mm. you know i think when once it was on the shelf it would have looked like a book you know so what do you call that noise i'm really curious about skylarking and i know the inner sleeve was deemed too racy so i'm wondering um how much the sleeve was to the how close it was to the original idea if it varied a lot or or not at all and whether um, the fact that the music had been around for such a long time impacted the way that you approached the artwork at all. Right. Well, I mean, the photographs that are on the reissued version of Skylarking are, were taken at the time. So this, they are the original photographs as they would have appeared. So there, there hasn't been, in that regard, there's not much changed really from what the original idea was. I mean, I think in terms of what I brought to it as uh, was really the all the stuff around it, I guess the sort of the metallic inks and things that we used on it, and the sort of bright photograph of the flowers that's on the inside. Those are the things that I brought to that. I think Andy wasn't really. I don't remember Andy giving me too much direction on on that. I I think I presented this idea. So I think the the metallic ink came from one of the lines in Summer's Cauldron for me. That uh, the big big brass cup is it. I'm terrible at lyrics. In fact, I think I took most of the idea of how I wanted that to look came from Summer's Cauldron, I think. So I think the flowers, yeah, and this um, big brass cup idea. It's reminding me, well, it's reminding me of two things. One is that Dave Gregory talked for, what do you call that noise? I think it was, it was the, the interview we did for, for that. Dave talked about how he always needs to know what the songwriter has in mind. You know, he'll study the lyrics and so on. So even even though his job is nothing to do with the lyrics on the surface you know it's to to to, to add the the guitar parts or the keyboard parts or whatever the the lyrics and the intention and the meaning are very important to him and that sounds like you're saying something very similar that um the the the, the music and the, the 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 words are giving you a direction and the other thing it's making me think of is is Stephen wilson returning to um xdc's albums and giving them a a a, a, a fresh look uh, without and, and and sitting on uh, that division between wanting to be truthful to the originals, but also wanting to to add a a twenty first century sheen to it, and and again that seems to be something maybe that you're doing by going back to this stuff and, and not wanting to lose its essence, but also not wanting to just sit back and 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 reproduce this, exactly the same thing that happened before. Yeah, well, I think I I think with Skylarking in particular, I mean, obviously it's a, you know, for want of a better word, iconic album. And the sleeve in itself is, even though it wasn't what was originally planned, it it it, it ended up being the sleeve, you know. So, um, but thankfully, the that that first reissue 
we didn't need to worry too much about that because it was about presenting the original idea and not and not the one that everybody knew already i mean we 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 did take some of the elements you know the colors and uh, you know the blues and stuff that we used on some of the inner elements we you know we kept that but uh, you know we changed the the background texture that was used on the uh, original album from that sort of wheaty japanese homemade paper to uh, this sort of German embroidered floral pattern. Some of that was sort of for technical reasons because we couldn't get a decent enough scan of the original sleeve to um, reproduce it at the same size. So. When looking at your work, I, I noticed that sometimes if you have a set of work, there'll be some variation. Like in the Apple vinyls, I believe there's the, it's the black and white photos and then there's the white image with the face with the blue spiral. Um, and as a viewer, for me at least, it's really interesting and it keeps me engaged. I'm just wondering if that's something that's purposeful for you. Is that a technique that you typically employ or is it just something that happened um, just uh, automatically? Um, yeah, again, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. And, and strangely enough, Andy brought that uh, spiral single up uh, again this afternoon when we were talking about various things. So is the thing with that collection was there was there were two albums and then there was this these two extra tracks so he thought we might as well make them look a bit different so then they're not confused with the rest of it uh so we ended up doing a completely different sleeve uh idea for that i can't remember if, if i'm pretty sure andy drew a really rough sketch of it for me to follow I, I did notice, like looking through your your artwork that you typically do poster work um, and I'm kind of curious how that differs for you from album art. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but um, if it does differ at all, um, because the the styles that you have in your poster work seem a lot different in terms of color and, and contrast and that kind of thing. I'm just wondering if that's true at all uh, from your perspective. I think I approach the, you know, the poster work in this, pretty much the same way as I do you know, design work for uh, music. It's about doing what's right for a particular thing rather than me trying to project myself into the work. I mean, there's a lot of artists and stuff have, you know, very distinctive styles and uh, I have tried to do that, but I just haven't been able to do it because every, every, everything seems like it should be something different because everything is different, if that makes any sense at all. I, I'm just trying to get the essence of what that thing is as opposed to my essence that sounds wrong but you know what i mean it just um everything everything i try and do the ideas i have there's no sort of flow from one to another if it, it's more about my reaction to each individual thing is it's it varies to every uh, from project to project and that well that that's reminded you started off talking about factory records that where there was a a factory style that was established and then that could go from certainly you know from album to album and perhaps even from band to band and and despite your you being influenced by that that's not what you're doing uh yeah that that's that's true i mean i think it's probably even probably more apparent with uh, 4ad i wouldn't call it a house style but obviously you had one designer who was doing most of the work and there seemed to be a connection all the way through between you know from one project to another now that, i know some of the bands sort of um weren't particularly happy about that because they all looked like, you know, they seemed like the label was more important than, you know, their music. Yeah, the, in terms of 
what I done over the years, it's been um, it's been the opposite of that really. Everything's been sort of you know one thing has been quite different to the next. You know, so I, uh, I I've stopped trying to fight it now. I think that's the difference between design and art in in some ways is that uh, um, design is a response to a brief, and each each job has a different brief. Whereas art, in its core, is more uh, really done for its own sake. It doesn't respond to a brief. And absolutely, I mean, I think that's sort of the key difference between. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people in sort of my line of work that refer to themselves as, art, as artists, and I, I never ever do. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable calling myself an artist because I'm, I'm not. Uh, an illustrator, I'm okay with because it's, it like you say, it. I think uh, an artist, they, they, they're doing work, uh, you know, from themselves. It, it's something that they need to express. Whereas illustration and design, it's, it's. It can be done from an artistic point of view, perhaps, but it's not—it's not an expression of yourself. You're expressing something about somebody else's work. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's probably wrong to call. It's certainly, I certainly have n- never called myself an artist. It's just, um, yeah, illustrator. I'm much happy with, and design is fine. But uh, does does it does it matter whether you actually like the stuff that you're illustrating? I mean, if you, if you hated everything XTC had ever done, would you would you uh, find the job harder? Yeah, I think if, if I hated XTC, I, I wouldn't be here now, I don't think. I mean, it's, you've got to have some sort of empathy or enjoyment in something for it to be, you know, to last. I mean, I've not, I've not worked with any any anybody else as long as I've worked with Andy. I mean, it's been 22 years or something now, and it's even if I didn't like it, if I only just appreciated the music, I don't think it's not the basis for a good relationship, if you like. I think... I, I think really enjoying the music which i do i'm not sure it necessarily lends anything more to the actual work itself but i think it it sort of binds you to it a bit more I can imagine well it gives you a reason to get up in the morning if you actually care about the thing that you're doing yeah yeah i guess i, I yeah i to some extent yeah i'm really interested in in what you were saying of what, what we've all been saying actually about you know this idea of the house style and they're two really great examples aren't they factory Peter Savile and um, 4AD. Was it was it 23 Envelope? I've got that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the idea that, you know, some interestingly said that some bands didn't like it because, you know, they, they were sort of subsumed within the label's identity. But I, I can also remember bands being sort of elevated by the association you know, they, they were kind of dignified in a way by having a, you know, a, a factory records cover, a 4 uh, cover. And so there's that very definite kind of almost sort of monolithic, very beautiful though. I mean, just, just you knew a 4 record from a mile off, couldn't you? If you walked into Probe in Liverpool and you would see it on the, the shelf and you would know that that's what it was. And you, you probably, you might have to look hard to see who the artist was. Whereas the, the, the way you were describing your approach to projects and interesting thing that David said about the difference between, you know, design and a brief and so on, um, that is project by project. I was just thinking, if you think about XTC's album covers, if you sort of lined them all up and had a look at them, they are project by project, aren't they? There's the green records. Uh, Big Express is the rusty record. Uh, 25 o'clock, if we're allowed to sneak that in. You know, obviously that's the the Disraeli gears stuck through a Minsa record, you know, the look of it, and so on and so forth. So I I think XTC's design 
as a whole has been project by project because as the music has changed, as it's developed, as they've pushed forward, as they've pulled back, um, the the visual realisations that have gone with it seem to fit right in with what you're saying, Andrew, about your preferred way of working or your approach to it, that it is project by project and it's sensitive to and attentive to what's actually in in the grooves. Yeah, actually, I don't think... I'd, I'd never really thought about it in, in terms of XTC's overall catalogue, uh, but I think you're absolutely right there. Everything's sort of been in and of itself as opposed to... I don't think XTC have ever had... Well, until I came along recently. I don't think they've had the same logo on any album or anything. Everything's been everything's been completely different every time. So yeah, I'm, maybe that that approach is maybe why I've sort of got on with Andy okay for the last few years. So maybe that's why we've gelled okay together. And what Peter is saying reminds me of of the nature of XTC as a, as a band in general. And I think it might be something that we've already touched on in previous podcasts. Um, I've certainly had the conversation where. The, the, there are lots of fantastic bands who hit on a style and then that's them for the rest of their career. You know, they are a great reggae band and they're always a great reggae band or the Rolling Stones, a great rock and roll band and they're always a great rock and roll band, but you know, you can take them at any point in their career and they're not substantially different or, you know, one song on one album is not that different to the next song on the same album. Uh, whereas XTC are a different sort of band, perhaps more similar to the Beatles where uh, there is um i don't you don't even have to use the progression it's just a difference from a difference in approach from one thing to the to the other and that seems the thing that peter's identifying there is also then reflected in the in the um uh, in the in the artwork as well both for the singles and and for the albums i think although interestingly the beatles did or at least to begin with they did have a kind of logo didn't they uh, that low that that t coming down yes that's what, yeah on ringo's uh, bass drum there <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, you just reminded me the you know the Ringo's tea in the Beatles and the Apple vinyls. There's a there's a there's a Ringo tea, isn't there? The tea in XTC. Yeah, I was just thinking that That's actually, a... just as David said it, I was thinking, oh, actually, it's the same in the the same in the uh, Apple vinyls logo. Looking back at the stuff that you have done for XTC, do you have a particular f- favorite? I think generally, and I think also this is this is as much to do with Andy as it is. Uh, my work, you know, because obviously it's it's translating his ideas. There's not much I look back on in the XTC work that I've done that, that I think, oh, no. Uh, there are a couple, which I can go into if you want. It may never work again. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think... I, I, I think I've, I've talked about all these things with Andy anyway, because I, I don't think he's particular. I think Wasp style didn't really work very well. We were in a bit of a weird place, all of us. I think at that time, so we weren't really. Sh- Andy had an idea, but unfortunately, it was going to be too cost if cost prohibitive to to make it. I think now we could do it, and we wouldn't have because his original idea was to do the peacock feather again, but in in neon tubing. I think now we could actually fake it uh, convincingly, but I think at the time it was it was too much of an ask, certainly for my sort of skill set, and and to have it made was going to cost a fortune, so. We ended up with something different, and it seemed okay at that time. But I think we both quickly went off it after after it was released. So, which is why it's changed a little bit now. And there are a few bits and bobs that I don't like about other things, but the things that I do like, uh, like I mentioned, the Gonwoods box, I really love. I still really love. In fact, actually, both the uh, Peter Blegvad projects 
I still really like and 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 actually I think in both certainly Orpheus I was really just putting uh, other people's work together but I I still really I think that that and Gonewards are probably closer to my own aesthetic if I have one that's making me think as well that uh, Peter Blackbird himself is someone that we haven't talked about in very much detail but he of course himself is a fantastic uh, cartoonist and and illustrator and someone with a very keen uh, visual sense as well as a musical sense so uh, that must be like having two Andy Partridges in the room. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I didn't speak too much to Peter, but you know, he provided all the drawings and stuff for all the you know the cards that came with the limited edition and stuff. I, you know, it was a pleasure to work with those as well. You know, strangely enough, I I really enjoyed both of those projects, and there is there's less of me in it, so I, I'm I'm not sure what that says. A thing about the difference between not necessarily sort of you know vinyl and digital sales and marketing and packaging and stuff um but between sort of albums and singles um when you think about sort of iconic to use that word again cover art associated with um rock and pop music i suppose particularly things that's where where we are um they tend to be albums don't they um whereas just you know in this little thing i wrote about xtc's early singles i've found like an extraordinary amount of, of of effort and brilliant design had gone into these you know these little things that kind of got to about number 79 in the charts or something and and the the, the faithful bought them and then they were just sort of forgotten um so it, it just it just struck me that you know when we talk about sort of iconic art in music packaging usually we're talking about lps uh, albums is that right and um, um, what, what do you think about that yeah i think you are right i mean i think if if you know i, I think ask anybody you know oh tell me about your favorite I'll cover for music that i would say it's unlikely that anybody would pick a single i think i think most people would immediately think of a, an album cover i think maybe most of the time a lot more effort goes into designing something for an album uh, than it does for a single i think it, even you know, even the singles I've sort of done for Andy and stuff, they've been, we haven't done many. We've only done maybe, I don't know, half a dozen or so, I guess. I'd say they they are in some way, uh, you know, a bit more throwaway than uh, than the, you know, than the album covers are. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because Andy, I mean, you know better than I, but my perception is that Andy is in love with the single. He loves the idea of the single, the three-minute blast, you know, the transistor blast. Um and that that somehow the disposability of it is it is part of its beauty. You know, that it's it's like you know, like an orchid, whether there's just one or whether there's a river, I don't know. But you know, it's there for a day and then it and then it then it's gone. Um so I I don't know. it, it just it, just looking at the amount of word that went into the, 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 the singles covers, um you know, he was really attentive to detail and speaking to the individual song, um, you know, very specifically a three minutes of music rather than, as you say, Andrew, if you've got 45 minutes or whatever CDs are, 70 minutes or something, that, you know, this visual's got to sort of uh, stand in for in some way or other. Um, it's it's the, the 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 artwork for a single's got has uh, for a single has got a lot of work to do, hasn't it? That's a very you were talking about brief a brief earlier on, David. That's that's a tough brief, isn't it? For three minutes, you know, sort of encapsulate and market 
the three minutes of music make it sort of exist in this other medium so people can see on the shelves or in their record collections. And it's also very much linked in with that era, isn't it? Because both for commercial reasons and uh, technological reasons that the single was 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 crucial in the 1960s and 70s and then it and, and a little bit into the 1980s and now you know why would you buy a single i don't <laughs> i don't know what a point of a single is now um in in, the, in that physical form uh and therefore it was around that time around that that, that sort of uh, those glory pop get pop days of xdc then that it was worth presumably virgin thought it was worth putting the effort into into making the singles look collectible and and desirable yeah i think um I think Andy looked out at being, uh, I think he was sort of in, in terms of the singles, he was probably in the right place at the right time because, you know, the, I think, you know, the major labels, I mean, if you think about them plowing that amount of money into uh, uh, releasing a single, you know, even, you know, 10 years ago, I uh, wouldn't have even thought about it. But, you know, Andy getting his little cut-out theatre and everything for No Thugs in Our House. They were happy to go with a gimmick, I think, to try and, you know, sell things. Um, so I think in in some respects, Andy sort of looked out on the singles. I think maybe. Yeah, it's just in, in, I think it's inconceivable to imagine anybody doing something like the No Thugs in Our House uh, sleeve these days, or any of those sleeves around that time, because they, it, or even Life Begins at the Hop in, in uh, coloured vinyl with 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 uh, sorry, sorry transparent vinyl with 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 plastic sleeves, and you know just the effort of doing something that's not conventional. Uh, must have been all just an administrative effort to, to, to find the right suppliers and all the rest of it must have been quite a big deal. You just can't imagine anybody doing that now. Well, I can imagine it being done as a piece of art, but not necessarily to serve the, the different purpose of being a, a, a cover for a record. Yeah, shifting the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think back then it was a commercial decision to do that, whereas now it would be, uh, you know, an aesthetic one, I think. I'm curious if you're working on anything right now, uh, Andrew. Uh, what, for Andy? Mm-hmm. I am, but I can't, I don't think I can say what they are. I mean, I think he sort of hinted about some some things occasionally, but um, yeah, they're, 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 well, we've just, I think I can say, we're, I've just finished some vinyl reissues, which have just gone to press today. So, which were drums and wires and nonsuch. There are two other projects that we're doing fairly soon. So, yeah, but I probably can't say anything about it, or or I better not say anything about it, just in case I can't. <laughs> and we can put, we can put the the bits together, the pieces together. We'll work it out ourselves gradually from from the internet trail that we can find. Chances are that Mark knows all about them already. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, you have to bribe me to to reveal my sources. <laughs> Well, um, Andrew, that's been really great to talk to you. It's been fascinating to to, to get an insight into your uh, working practice and and such fun and just actually just thanking you really for such uh, great work over 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 twenty years. I hadn't fully realised that it was twenty years, but that's less because of that's more because of my age than anything else. I think realising that time is going past very, very, very quickly. So, um, um, I'd like to thank uh, uh, David White, Sarah Crockle, Peter Mills for joining us today, and um, I'm sure we would all like to thank Andrew and uh, look very much forward to the mystery releases that are coming our way very, very soon. Thank you very much, Andrew. Oh, thank you very much. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, you'll get to speak to Andy about this stuff, and you'll get a more sort of coherent and interesting uh, reply. 
and 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 colourful and entertaining and witty um, as Andy always is. So uh, we'll look forward to that as well. Um, thank you all, and thank you all to you, the, the the listeners of what you call that noise, the XTC podcast. Subscribe and do things on Patreon and all of the things that you know how how to do. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. What do you call that noise? <laughs>